So in beginning a retreat, there's a lot of adjustment that happens. We're moving from complexity to simplicity, from familiarity to getting to learn a new place, a new venue. They're getting to learn us. And we're changing our way from being focused outwardly to being focused inwardly. And a lot of today, we're going to spend the day focusing on a body, just bringing attention to body, grounding body, settling in the body, becoming embodied. And there's no, um, you know, we could spend months doing this, years doing this, and I don't think we would get to the end of the value of doing this. It's huge. Just feeling our body, being grounded in our body, becoming embodied. But also what is as important as this movement of settling in and embodiment is also the movement towards care and kindness and compassion. And most people who've been on a retreat know that, you know, usually at the end of a retreat we do a meditation on loving kindness. And there's no harm in doing that. But what is needed is to bring this quality of loving kindness also in the very beginning. To have that be as important as becoming embodied, to really come from the right attitude, from a place of caring, of, of wanting, well-wishing, rather than in, in judging, in holding some kind of a measuring stick up and whacking oneself when one doesn't get it right, you know, which tends to be the kind of bottom baseline way that we are with ourselves. Is, is not very kind at all. So when we want to bring kindness in, you know, sometimes there's a challenge because how do you bring kindness when you don't have kindness? How can you bring something that you don't feel connected to? And so there's a, you know, there's a, a whole tradition of, of reciting phrases. And, you know, in the Visuddhi Maga, which is the, commentary that Buddhaghosa wrote, I don't know when, but many hundreds or thousands of years ago, there was this reference to reciting phrases, which has then become adopted as, a, as the standard way in which loving-kindness meditation is practiced. But the Buddha never said anything about reciting phrases. This is a, a commentarial interpretation, which for many works really, really well. So I don't in any way wish to criticize it. But it has never once ever worked for me. (laughs) And I'm not ashamed to admit it. (laughs) So, you know, for me, I've had to find another way with loving-kindness meditation other than something that doesn't work for me. But I also know that um, it's also the case for many people that, you know, when they think about, you know, loving kindness, it isn't that automatically they feel a direct plug-in. They know what that is and know what that feels like. And, you know, many students come and they talk and they're dealing with, um, you know, a lot of issues from their early childhood where there wasn't enough safety or enough caring. And uh, unfortunately, there's this is a lot more common than than the exception. And so, you know, particularly in a situation like this, when one was asked to generate loving kindness for oneself, it's like, you know, where on earth 
where on earth do we begin? You know, how on earth do we begin? So I've developed a way of doing med- meditation that doesn't presume we we can begin with just doing that. It 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 helps us when we if we might need it. Now, if you're somebody where when you think of loving kindness, automatically there's this huge immediate clear direct connection then you know this first part of this guided meditation you can ignore otherwise it might be useful yeah so again we start with a body that is grounded that is relaxed that is upright that is balanced now one of my concerns about a contraption that helps with sitting is that if you're balanced on just your tailbone it's not going to be very stable. So there's going to take a lot of effort, I think, with your back. So it might be worth exploring if you can get your hips up high enough to help your legs relax. Because this is your, you're the upside down point of a triangle. Yeah? This is your, the bottom point of a triangle. It's more stable. Yeah? So if you can get your hips high enough so that you can sit with your legs flat, then that might help. But if you can't, then use whatever you need to help you feel comfortable. Yeah. So the point with the sitting is, is that we can relax and that we have some stability. So we're not having to use muscles in order to balance ourselves. And sometimes we need two or three or four cushions to get enough height. And there are extra cushions over there if you want to borrow some, if anyone needs any. So we start with a body that's grounded and relaxed and somewhat stable. And that can take a few minutes just to settle in and feel that. Feel ourselves settling in, relaxing, connecting. And we might take some time to deliberately relax tension that we notice maybe in our forehead and our shoulders or our jaw, our lower back. We might take some time to squiggle our cushions to get it so that they're the right height underneath us. And then after a few moments, what we can do is just bring to mind the image of something that has a very powerful association of of unconditioned love. It might be a person, it might be an archetype, it might be a teacher or a mentor, it might be an accomplished practitioner. It could be looking into the eyes of Ramana Maharshi or seeing the Dalai Lama's face or knowing the way Mother Teresa lived her life. It could be just the image of seeing a mother nursing her child, breastfeeding her child. Or it could be the sun that shines independent of whether anyone is worthy. It could be an animal or a sacred place in nature, Arunachala, or a sacred grove or sacred waterfall or a particular special place on the ocean. 
we're in the mountains, we're in the desert. So what it is really is not at all important. What is important is that when you think of this, this person or this place or this animal, your heart is just filled with the feeling of an unconditioned love. You know it. You know it so intimately. You know it so well. You can feel it. So this image brings forth this feeling. And so we cultivate the image in order to get direct access to the feeling. Now, one of the other things that happens in meditation is is that each of us learn things, perceive things somewhat differently. There are those who perceive things cognitively, and so for them, phrases can be really helpful. To repeat to oneself a phrase of something that is really the way you are wanting to think or believe or to direct your attention. Others feel things with their physical bodies. They feel things kinesthetically. Others feel things emotionally. Others experience things through vision. They see things. And usually the meditation instructions are only given in one way. And what we need to know is what is our way. And to translate the instructions into language or image or corresponding sensations that are relevant for the way that we experience the world. So if you see things, then you might see golden light. Or if you feel things in your body, it might be a warm, relaxed feeling. Or if you feel things emotionally, it might be the qualities of love or tenderness or safety or trust. If you are somebody who experienced things cognitively, then you may very well be happiest with the phrases, may I be happy and may I be free from suffering. So we need to learn our own way and translate the modality of the instructions into the language that gives us direct access. So we start with an image of something that for us absolutely represents unconditioned love. There's no doubt. There's no hesitation. There's no resistance or reluctance. It's just there and strong. And we cultivate that image until the feeling grows strong and clear and palpable and tangible. And then we direct that feeling to ourself. 
that we begin to know what it is like to feel like that, to have that feeling. And we can start with directing it to our own heart center. Letting our heart center feel the quality of love and care and kindness and trust and safety. Of being cared for, of being treasured. And letting this quality spread out throughout our whole chest. And notice what happens to muscles when they are suffused with kindness, with care, with love. notice the texture of the feelings in the body when we begin to direct this quality to our own heart center and to our chest and then letting it spread out throughout the whole of our torso what happens to the abdomen and the solar plexus happens to the pelvic floor when our body is suffused with an unconditioned loving kindness, a friendliness, a caring, a well-wishing. And letting it spread 
to our back, to our shoulders, to our ribs. our lower back, to our sacrum, what happens to the movement of the sacrum with each breath when the sacrum is suffused? with loving-kindness. Moving up into the neck, to the muscles alongside the neck, to the throat, to the back of the head, to the skin, coming up over the top of the head and down over the whole face. quality of loving-kindness, moving into the arms, the elbows, the forearms, and the hands, moving down the legs, the knees, the calves, and the shins, and the feet. so that our whole physical body is immersed, awash, held. In this field of loving kindness, Notice what happens to the muscles. Notice what happens to the tension. Notice what happens to the ligaments and to the skin. Notice what happens to our posture when we are held in loving-kindness.
Notice what happens to the breath. When we feel loving kindness, Letting our muscles, our body, our bones, our ligaments soak it up, soak it in, drink it up. It's okay to feel loving kindness. So a body being what it is has aches and pains and places where there's tenderness and illness, as well as places where there's pleasure and comfort and ease and well-being and energy. Loving kindness doesn't have preferences or opinions. It brings attention to what is. It allows the tensions to melt. The knots to untangle. It allows the places that are numb to come alive. And the places that are frozen to melt.
It gives protection to what is exposed and raw. And holds the light to what is hidden and buried, covered. bringing metta, loving-kindness, to our body. Supports us bringing loving-kindness to our heart and to our mind. So one of the things that is uh, helpful to become aware when we're practicing metta or loving-kindness is what are the parts that are resistant, unable to receive this quality of care, of tenderness, of friendliness. What is resistant to receiving love? We don't need to form a judgment or an opinion or an identity 
can just bring this in awareness. See this in awareness. Know this in a very loving awareness. Seeing oneself immersed, held, washed, bathed, suffused, illuminated. In a field of friendliness, of loving kindness, tenderness, appropriate responsiveness, courageous presence, we bring that quality to our body, and as we become embodied, as we inhabit our body, We inhabit a world that is suffused with kindness and love and care. Appropriate responsiveness and courageous presence. Courageous not as a warrior going into battle, but as one who's prepared to show up. the courage to show up. Heartful, present, caring. Attentive.
If our own capacity to have direct contact with this quality starts to fade or diminish or become ex- obscured, then once again we can bring to mind the image that helps us remember, that evokes this quality, this feeling. Held, suffused, immersed, washed, bathed in loving kindness. Allowing the muscles to soften and the knots to untangle. Allowing the bits that are numb to come alive and that which is frozen to melt. Cooling that which is burning, incinerating. Protecting that which is exposed, raw, and shining a light on that which is hidden. Loving kindness has no agenda other than to be present, to show up, to be skillful, to heal to hold to support and yet in showing up in being skillful in being present the right things can happen that allows healing
So, you know, during the course of the day, it might be helpful just to bring this quality throughout whatever one is doing. As much as we want to feel our body, we want to feel our body from this place of really suffused loving kindness. And when we look at the quality of awareness, when we look at the quality of mindfulness, it sees things clearly, it knows things clearly, but it's not judgmental. When we look at the quality of loving kindness, it sees things clearly and is not judgmental and is warm. They're two sides of exactly the same thing. One is the clarity that comes from clear observation and the other is the clarity that comes from connecting, from intimately being present with. I found it very affirming when Deepama said that she felt that mindfulness and loving-kindness were the same. very highly realized meditation practitioner. And when Jack Cornfield or some students asked her, you know, what was in her mind, so here's somebody who had uprooted all traces of ill will and desire. She had attained to a very high level of realization. She said, what's in my mind is mindfulness and loving-kindness. Jack Cornfield said, is that all? She said, yeah, that's all. That's it. Mindfulness and loving-kindness. So we could weave this through both ways, with mindfulness or with loving-kindness, but because many of us come from a kind of like need. It's helpful to bring forward loving-kindness from the beginning and to get a feeling of what it actually feels like in our body, that we get a sense of what it actually feels like in our body. Not as some kind of an idea that we swish around between our brain cells, but actually that we feel it. We actually get to know what it feels like and start to walk with that feeling eat with that feeling, drink with that feeling, sit with that feeling. What does it feel like? What does loving-kindness feel like? And how can we bring that into every part of our meditation? When we're meeting pain or meeting an emotion that's disturbing or when we're meeting a view that we have about ourselves, about the world, about the politics. How can we meet that with loving-kindness? Now, the, the kind of theme of the retreat is, is that I'll be working with the four foundations of mindfulness. And the general instruction is, is, is that we, we start with the first foundation and, and open up to the other foundations. And we're not forcing things out of our of field of attention, but making the determination just to stay with things simply so that if our mind gets pulled out 
or our mind moves towards something that's more complicated or an emotion, a a field, a a memory, a, a thought pattern, a habit. We don't have to push it away. We just bring our attention back to the body, back to the quality of loving kindness. And it's not a judgment that the thought has arisen. It's just a remembering that we're practicing with the body. We're practicing with loving kindness. So we'll start with the body. We'll work with the body today. And then over the next days, we'll open it up, have more of the different foundations that we're working with. It takes a lot of courage to show up. Requires a lot of compassion just to be present. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.